Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. What's up? How's everybody doing? Great to be speaking with you today. We're going to jump right into today's episode. I'm so excited to present this episode to you guys. Today, I had a sit-down conversation and I interviewed my little sister. I interviewed Alex Stoddart. Um, You know, my sister and I have always had a really unique relationship in that we've always just been super close. I I would even consider her one of my best friends. I've always kind of looked at at other siblings growing up and and even today and ones that don't get along and I think to myself like that's so weird you basically have this like free best friend for life like I got your back no matter what person and uh and and I'm really grateful that my sister and I kind of took advantage of that we we always had each other's backs and we've been through a ton of shit together as a, a lot of you know brothers and sisters and siblings have um and and i've been talking with her a lot the last year about some of her own creative endeavors i've kind of watched her uh, grow and blossom and and struggle and persevere in some some areas that like mean a whole lot to her in terms of her career and in terms of like her uh creative expression and her livelihood and like i'm just so fucking proud of her and and I was so thrilled to get this chance to just have a conversation that wasn't filled with text messages and and was like real and deep. And I, I got to just listen and I, I actually got to learn a lot of shit about my sister that um, I, I didn't necessarily know before. So, so I don't want to spend too much time <laughs> introducing it. I want to just kind of get right into this. Uh, I I cut about the first three minutes out uh, because we were just kind of rambling, shooting the shit a little bit. So so we get right into it. Um, you're gonna enjoy this. I know you are. She's an awesome person, and she's got so much cool insight about health and fitness and the mind body connection. So please help me welcome my little sister, Alex Stoddard. Okay. Well, here's here's what I want to do. And here's why this morning I had the epiphany that we needed to finally jump on and get this podcast rolling. When, when um, I was going for my walk, like I usually do before I had my surgery and you and I were talking, you kind of said something to me that I've been thinking about ever since because I mean, you know, you and I talk about stuff all the time. And when you say this, kind of stuff, I, I pay attention because I know that you're always going to be honest with me. And you said that it's been such a long time since I actually took a step back and I just did things for myself and like just took some time to really think about what I wanted to do. And, and it's not by any means that I feel like I've been neglecting myself, but with that being said, I've, I've had a, a lot of like priorities that um, weren't necessarily directly in line with like my long-term vision of, of, of my work and like my creative expression. Cause you know, I'm like a creative person. So, 
So I've been thinking about that a lot the last week, especially since um, I wrote a blog post this morning about how it, like I just I'm kind of forced to sit around and and think a lot because I'm healing and I can't really move around. And, and I was just thinking about my podcast and how I've never really been able to get it off the ground in the way I wanted to. And what my vision has always been is just to have really interesting conversations with people that I think are awesome and have really, really cool stories. And I know you so well. And so it's easy for me to kind of like take your story. I don't want to say take it for granted, but just kind of just accept it as like a thing that I'm totally used to. And that like, I, I know as, as part of my life, but I think, I think your story is just so cool. And the more I think about it, the more I think that people would like really, really appreciate a lot of your experience and, and <laughs> the things that you've uh, just e experienced in your own life. So yeah. with all that, to start with all that and to start with that <clears throat> feel about why I think it's such a cool idea to get you on my podcast, I just want to put out there that the, the objective of like this episode and episodes going, going forward is just to give people like a platform to tell their stories and to talk about their ideas and to talk about the shit that they're passionate about and more importantly, like how they think their experience can, can help other people. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that was a lot, it. bro. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, but I've, I've, like I said, I've had a lot of time to think about this, so so let's I mean, rock and you roll. Pretty, yeah, you pretty much just summed up just like personal development, you know, and like how people grow in their life. And I think what I've noticed and learned most as a coach that everybody kind of grows in their own way, you know, and if you look at you and I, you know, you and I went through similar experiences, but kind of different in their own. And you took a path of like being really aggressive within your career and like making sure that you were really financially stable. And, you know, I kind of took the path of like, really leaning inward, and like finding ways in which I needed to heal. And essentially, they're both kind of doing the same thing, but they're just like working on like different pillars of personal development, you know, and I think at the end point, like, it's all about, like, you know, the the mind body connection, but we can just kind of tap into that and we can be balanced and imbalanced in different ways, you know? And I think like when I made that comment to you, I think it's, it's, you know, you've, a dad would agree. Mom would agree. Like anybody who knows you would agree that like your way of like taking care of your own is to just like get your head in this, this really focused track and to kind of not stop until, you know, not even saying that you really break. Like I've never really seen you break, but I think, <laughs> you know, like what I've, and this is something like I always try to teach my athletes and even just teaching other coaches is that there's so many other things that are going to lead to success. And a lot of times when you're feeling overwhelmed or feeling like, you know, you're just on this like hamster wheel, like step off, you know? Yeah. Take a take a second to breathe and figuring out like what else you need to do to feed your mind or your body appropriately to kind of move past where you're at. <laughs> I, I just have like <laughs> the biggest <laughs> fucking grin on my face right now because I went into this whole thing with the idea of 
this is great. I can focus not on myself and I can focus on <laughs> <laughs> like you just blew well, we are siblings, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, you know what? Let's just roll with this conversation before, before we kind of get into a little bit more of what you talked about that mind body connection that you and I have always like really, really been on the same page with. Um, I do want to give all of my listeners a chance to kind of get to know you a little bit because you've been such a, um, a big influence on my life. And I think, I think it would be unjustified to talk about your personality without at least mentioning swimming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for, I mean, basically my entire youth, I, I can hopefully assume to say, your entire youth, although I don't want to really speak for you, swimming and competition and the camaraderie of swimming and like the discipline of swimming, um, I think shaped a lot of your personality. And, and all the years that, that we've known each other, I mean, like our whole lives, I've never actually asked you what swimming meant to you. And why it had such an impact on you the way that it did and the lessons that you learned from it. So please take this chance just to talk about swimming and what it means in your life. Oh, that's a big topic. Yeah. That is a big topic. Um, You know, I think if I were to ask myself when I was 15, what it meant to me, as opposed to now, those answers would be completely different. Um, I think, you know, back then it was something that I just like so naturally excelled at. And, you know, it like going back to that whole hamster wheel thing, like I was in that hamster wheel, but for me, it never felt forced, you know, obviously until I got to like higher levels of competition. But, you know, speaking of the water itself, like that's just always kind of been like a second home to me. And I think like I really tuned in with like how, your body moves through the water efficiently. And that's kind of why I was just so successful in my career. Um, I think once I kind of started getting more competitive and, you know, some more pressures in life, like family stuff and, you know, starting to look at colleges and having to perform to a certain level, like that stress kind of got to me a little more. And like my weight and my relationship with, my weight like in the water and my weight physically, like my relationship with the water just kind of changed. Um, You know, and I think that was kind of the ebbs and flows of my career. Like I started like really young and fresh and kind of like having really fun with it. And once the competition came in, like I, I started plummeting not so much like in performance, but just like spirituality and kind of who I was as an athlete. And I think now looking back at it, my relationship, like I'm trying to get that relationship back with the water. And I think a lot of the training that I do just in terms of like, you know, you look at like functional, functional fitness and like making sure that you're just kind of moving your body and taking your care of your body appropriately, you know, and how you respond to that in that time is just what's important. But yeah, I mean, swimming was a community. Like I loved my team. Like I had some of the best friends of my entire life. You know, I think coaching was really important to me. Like all of my coaches growing up, like I was so fortunate to have, you know, Steve at like a really young age, Andy, who was my high school coach, Bud, 
who was like a Navy SEAL, also a high school coach. Like they all just played different roles in my life. And, you know, especially when we had like family stuff going on, like it was just kind of like a really good outlet for me where it didn't have to be about, you know, like family relationships. It was just like, how are you going to perform in this moment? You know, and it just made me very present. Well, I'm, I'm really, really glad that you use the word spirituality because I always used to kind of mock the idea of swimming because I liked to run and the sports that I liked to play were much more physical and much more team focused. And I just, I liked getting dirty and sweaty and you were just, you loved being in the water, like you said. Um, and years ago in Florida, when I was first starting to feel some of the pain in my back, you advised me to start swimming. And mm-hmm. reluctantly, I jumped into it and I was like really, really terrible at first and almost having <laughs> like, like anxiety attacks because you can't breathe. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> you're swimming. Um, but, <laughs> shut up. but like over time, I started to understand what you were talking about, where it's almost like a spiritual experience because you can't, you can't hear anything. You kind of naturally start falling into this, this rhythm. And even like Mm -hmm. the sounds of the splashing turns kind of meditative, you know, it's like, and, and your breathing kind of gets really like in tuned. And like I said, in this rhythm, so what I'm getting at is I I never appreciated the spiritual element of it before. And I, I wasn't going to ask you to kind of talk about um, how your relationship with the water, uh, uh, what what I'm deteriorated, I guess I Mm -hmm. would say, but I, I think you're right where in your younger years, you just had a much more like spiritual connection with it as opposed to when it turned into like, this thing that you were expected to have a higher level achievement of. And, and it's funny because when you just had that connection, it was when you had the most success, like you're a, you're a Pennsylvania state champ and that's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, like uh, talk to me about that spiritual connection that you talked about and, and talk to me about like, if that is a real thing or if it's, that's just something that I made up. I mean, yeah, like, I think an example that comes to mind is like one of the sets that we used to do was a hypoxic set. So, you know, you start with, you know, give yourself a lap, which is 25 yards, 25 meters. And, you know, the coach will say, all right, in this lap, do in this lap of freestyle, do five breaths, you can only take five breaths. So then you go through it. And then the next lap, you take four breaths. And then you start getting down to like three breaths. And you like start getting a little anxious. You're like, can I do this? Can I not? you know, you make three breaths, then it's two breaths, then it's one breath. And, you know, one of the lessons that I learned in that is the more you relax your body, and the more length that you give to your stroke, the easier it will be to make that lap with a lower breath count. And I think that in itself kind of just like speaks to my relationship with the water. It's like, you know, when I was young, I wasn't fighting the water. I was just like kind of moving through it with ease because that's just like how I treated it. You know, that's how I treated myself. That's how I treated my relationship with the water. And I think as I got older, you know, that rhythm and that like aggression 
towards being competitive and like having to perform, it kind of just showed in, I don't want to say my stroke, but I just got, you know, in a sense heavier in the water and I wasn't as relaxed and I always felt a little more tense. You know, there's just a certain level of stress and there would be times where I would like take myself back to that exact set. It's like, all right, you got to get five breaths. You got to get four breaths. And like in doing that, it kind of relaxes you in a sense. Um, But you know, when you're at a D one level and a coach is telling you to swim like 10,000 yards and there's no time to reset like that, you know, it's really hard to kind of take yourself back to that, to that moment. I swear I guess 60 laps once. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I mean, bro, that's hard. Like swimming is hard. It's really hard. And, you know, I think that's the thing to be said. Like you said, like you're putting your head underwater, you can't breathe. And that is a stressful situation. Yeah. And that's like you say, like so nonchalantly, like your coach tells you to go swim ten thousand yards. Like when you said that, I was like, "Cool." Trust me. I mean, that was another big difference for me, though, because I came from the high school level. Like a D one athlete, typical D one athletes, you know. And I might be generalizing, but as far as I knew, came from club swimming, and at cl- in club swimming, it was a lot more. I'd say the training was just a lot more aggressive. And, you know, only knowing high school level training where, you know, the max we probably got to was 10,000 yards over like a Christmas practice, which was like 2000, which was like two hours long, Mm. you know, and then going right into that where that was like the baseline at D1 level. Like that in itself was a huge turning point and realization for me like, oh, shit, like we're in the big leads here, you know. And I think that's also just something to consider and what I try to encourage my athletes to consider when they're looking at colleges, like, you know, there's tons of D1 programs that are going to fit the athlete that you are, you know, and I think just looking at how they practice and what they focus on is, is really important in that decision-making because if I could have went back in time, you know, I think all things kind of teach you a lesson in life. But if I wanted to really be successful in my career, I would have considered that a little bit more. Well, okay. So I don't want to talk about swimming too much longer because there's so much cool stuff going on in your life. But you, you mentioned something right there, which I guess I'm a little bit confused about. You say mm-hmm. that you went from high school to a D1 level, but at the same time, like you're high school career had such huge milestones and you compare yourself to these swimmers that were at club levels but in high school you you and your teammates were basically beating all of them so how come at your high school level where you say that you didn't have like these super strict intense training regimens but at the same time like what am I trying to say? Are you saying that those real intense training regimens were actually like a detriment and that mm-hmm. there's something wrong with that kind of uh, training? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, that and I think a lot of other things kind of come into play. Like, you know, it was important for me as an athlete to have a really good relationship with my coach yeah. and just being able to be like vulnerable and to be honest with a coach about how I was feeling and, you know, to have a coach kind of be intuitive with me. You know, my coaches never babied me by any means, but it was always like a relationship, you know, and I think that changed at the D1 level because it's looked at more as like a business, 
um, at least in my eyes, you know, I think, but then again, I went, you know, and not to put any schools on blast, but I went to like a very high level competitive D1 school. And I ended up at, you know, also a high level competitive D1 school, but it was just a smaller school, a smaller team. You know, I had more of a relationship with the coaches. So I would definitely say that like coaching in itself, um, made the difference and just the community of the team, like high school, like it was my best friends and we were all just there like having fun. And, you know, we put in the hard work together and it was just like, we all wanted to see each other do well. And at a higher level, you know, there's only four spots on a relay team, you know, and there's a lot of really competitive girls gunning out for that spot. And it just, it kind of changed the dynamics of the team a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Man. <laughs> 30 years later and you're learning a lot about me, bro. <laughs> for sure. Well, you know, it's like, I always try to make a couple of notes before I do any kind of interview. And um, what I have here is like, I'm always talking about myself because I'm like self-centered, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm like, I wanted to make sure I went into this and with other people, like, not to talk about myself so much, but really give, like I said, other people a platform because that's, that's sort of what I want to do. And even yeah. just in this conversation, like, look what happens. Look how much I just got to learn about something that I thought I knew so much about. Um, that's great, bro. I'm glad you're, you're taking that approach. Yeah, thanks. I need it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, moving on. Um, I don't get to see you personally as much as you and I would like just because we love hanging out with each other, but we've lived basically across the country from each other for the last 10 years. But, but last time I went home and I was able to really like, we've always worked out together because we just, it's been part of our lives since we were kids is like fitness and sports and athletics. And I think it gave us both um, a, channel to like do with all of that nervous energy we have but the point mm -hmm. i'm trying to make is last time i went home i i finally w was able to work out with you as a more of a a, a coach student relationship I, I guess you would call it I, I don't know if i'm getting the terminology right but sure but uh but like <clears throat> alex i was so impressed and and you're a really really phenomenal coach um, slash trainer slash whatever you would uh, kind of consider yourself from like a semantic point of view. And mm -hmm. when, like, I don't know when you actually decided that that was the route that you wanted to take. Like, I don't remember us ever really talking about you being a, a, a trainer when we were growing up. I don't know when that actually became the thing that you were all in on doing. So I want to hear about that decision that you made mm -hmm. for yourself. And I want to also hear about um, like your particular approach, because in, in the conversations we have, I know that you have like a real specific, um, maybe not agenda, but a real specific philosophy towards the way that you treat your athletes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think just in looking at that, you know, looking back at my past experiences and like my career, you know, I always kind of started out as a coach. I was at the Orleans Swim Club and 
um, you know, started teaching kids at like a really young age, which was kind of just fun. But I always, I always remember just like feeling like really powerful in the way that I communicated to people. Um, and I felt like I really grabbed people's attentions and that I was like really able to connect with them on a level that was helpful to the way that they learned. Um, and I think that kind of always just came intuitively to me. And, you know, as I kind of progressed through my coaching experience from like a swimming standpoint, you know, I was with Springfield Aquatic Club for nine years. And then I kind of was testing the water with like corporate America and, you know, trying to find like a place in my career and, you know, kind of doing the things that I think we all outside of college kind of think are expected, you know? So when I'm like sitting at a desk job, I just, I came to realize that I felt like I just like lost that, that leadership role and kind of that voice of my own where I had that power to impact people. And you know, after three separate jobs in the corporate world, I just kind of said like, this obviously isn't working for me. You know, like I kind of always seen myself in a leadership position. And as most will know in the corporate world, like that's kind of hard to get to, mm. you know, you're kind of always going to be in my experience, at least like you're, you kind of always start at the bottom, you know, and you really have to invest in something to work your way to the top. And I just never felt that passion to get myself there. You know, I just never felt passionate enough about the work and I just didn't really thrive in that kind of environment. And, you know, I found myself at least in my last job, um, like just looking online and, you know, with social media now. And I just like started teaching myself a lot about the body and just knowing that I was like sitting at a desk all day. I wanted to, you know, get in the workouts that were probably best for my body outside of work and how I was going to like maintain my mental state. And, you know, once I just started doing the research, I was just like, you know, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I would literally sit at my desk. It's so bad. I literally would sit at my desk like all day, like get the work done that I needed to do at like a very base level. And then just like do research and pretty much like build my own programs and just like learn as much as possible about like fitness and, you know, anatomy and, kind of just taught myself. So then when, you know, in my last job, I was let go, I just felt like there was no turning back. Like I knew exactly what I needed to do and where I needed to go. And, you know, things kind of just aligned and moved forward. It seems like really organic for me, to be honest with you. Well, it sounds like, it sounds like you, you were solving your own problem. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you were almost, I, a lot of the things that I've noticed in myself, the things that have worked as, as opposed to the gazillion things that don't is any time where like I was trying to solve an actual problem that I had, I went into it with like a little bit more of, um, like you said, with, with a passion and you're, in this position where you're doing some shit that like you clearly don't like doing. And God, I remember that part in your life so, so well, because it, I know that like you were giving it your all, you know, like you were really, you were really, in some respect. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> when I say giving it your all, I don't necessarily mean like um, all of your effort. What I mean is you were giving it an honest shot. You know, mm -hmm. it was like, is this the next step in my life? 
let me find out. And like you really found out to the point where like you knew for sure that that isn't what you wanted to do. And, and like maybe a testament to that is that even while you were there, you were somewhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, absolutely. You just took that other place that you were and you went in that direction instead. Yeah. And I mean, to kind of like reflect on that a little bit more, like, so to take you through, like my first job was boathouse sports and that was like a sports apparel job. And I was at least around athletes and sport minded people and athletic apparel. And, you know, I got to travel and go to like regattas and stuff. So that kind of like spoke to me a little bit. Um, But then for me, like there was always something a little bit more. So at that point, I didn't really understand what that more was. So I ended up at Merck Pharmaceuticals and I get to Merck Pharmaceuticals and they have this incredible training facility. So I'm like at my desk and I'm just like waiting to get off of like probation essentially, because, you know, as you're like starting your first couple of weeks, you're like being monitored and being supervised and you have to sit at a desk with someone. And like the second I had my own desk, bro, like every single day I was down at the gym for like an hour on my lunch break. And I was like talking to the trainers and like, you know, learning new things. And it was there that I started asking them, like, how did you guys get certified? And they kind of like started introducing me to some stuff. And then I would just like have to switch back and be like, all right, you have to go sit at your desk and do these like, goddamn contracts that you can't even like write 55 correctly you know and then moving forward from there I was at Sparks and I felt like I'm you know my stature like for anybody who doesn't know me like I'm a six foot tall athletic woman you know and kind of walking around a small office people are like what the hell is that chick doing here you know like (laughs) I just felt like I never really fit in and everybody you know, even in like the cafeteria and walking the hallways, like they would be like, so what do you eat? Like, what do you do to stay so fit? And, you know, how do you take care of your body? And can you like come to my house and like show me some things? And I'm like, like, I'm like, I don't even do that. Like, this is just what I do to take care of my own body, you know? So I just felt like I like got my voice back in that capacity because that was something that I felt valued in providing people with is just that like knowledge of like how to take care of themselves which wasn't what I was doing when I was sitting at a nine-to-five desk yeah but that's such a powerful thing to say where you feel valued Mm -hmm. yeah for sure isn't that kind of what what we're all looking for it it reminds me of uh I know I've showed you this video a bunch on YouTube and I know it's just a YouTube video, but it had a a real profound impact on my life. But it's that Neil deGrasse Tyson interview where he says, what's the most astounding fact about the universe? And, and he, he says some really interesting things, but the point is at the very end of it, he says, that's what we all want, right? We want to be a participant. And, And, uh, when you feel like what you're doing is contributing to the world or, even like your, your small little corner of the world, because like we all are our own little worlds, you know, it's very small, but very big to everybody. When, when you're like contributing to that is when you're, you're giving that value that I think really is like what we're all searching for. Yeah. And like when, and it also goes to say like when you have a connection to it, you know, it's, 
I think when you're more connected to what you're communicating, it's just so much more powerful. You know, I could sit there and talk about creating marketing decks and certain brands and stuff, but at the end of the day, like it's not something I was connected to. Yeah. So it just never felt, as you would say, like impactful to me. You know, I, I'm sure on some scale, that's a very important part of the economy and other people's jobs. And, you know, it has its importance in its own light, but not in my world. Not for you. <laughs> not in my world. <laughs> Although it was like a creative outlet for me. I'll give it that. It did have like a lot, of, like I love working with brands and I like seeing like what brands find important um, and the way like they communicate with their customers. So I think like just seeing the relationship between brands and their customers was important to me. Yeah, they're all learning experiences. And I, I think that ultimately it got you to where like you were going. So there was, there was something to it. Um, yep. Okay, so to, to bring all of this to the, the present day, um, you know, like I know- yeah, and we're here. I don't want to like. I don't want to necessarily. Uh, I, I'm curious because you and I have had so many kind of creative conversations about uh, what your vision is, and and in the same way that like I'm trying to figure it out with you know my blog and my podcast, I I think it's safe to say that like you're have been trying to figure it out, but I I do think that in the last uh, maybe month. And especially with this trip that you're taking to California, um, which you leave on tomorrow. I, I feel like, I feel like you're, let's call it, I, I hate to label it, but let's call it like brand identity. You know, I feel like your vision and your brand identity is, is really kind of coming into fruition. And I want to hear in your own words, like what, what you think is happening to, your business and your your personal training and your athletes and ultimately like where you see all of this going yeah i mean hmm. i mean it's that's the hard part is there is no singular path you know i think what i've found that has been most successful so far is you know really creating a community for local athletes to invest in, to get the most out of their sport. And I think in that, you know, we provide strength training, we do agility training, you know, we obviously work on like endurance in the same sense, but we also provide a lot of the recovery and like self care modes as well. Um, and I think one thing that I'm really good at is creating a well-rounded program for student athletes. And in that, it kind of maintains and focuses on all of those pillars. Um, you know, I, I think the fitness industry gets really saturated with these expectations that people need to have this like specific niche or they're not going to succeed or, you know, you have to like create these astounding philosophies or methods of training that is so unique to everyone else. But like at the end of the day, like fitness is fitness, you know, and all you have to do and all the only way like you really need to start is by moving. And 
when you translate that into a program, you know, you essentially teach the foundations of strength, you know, and to me, that is functional movement, but it's also showing these kids, all right, this is your baseline. And these are, you know, without a lot of pressure, but like, this is where you have the ability to go, you know? And I think that strength training teaches people so much more in life than it does in just a physical aspect, you know? And I think just like building a program around that kind of philosophy of like just making things so freaking simple, but also translating it into a way that athletes respond to. And that's, you know, best for their sport is kind of the approach that I'm taking. I love how you said, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. I heard this really, really great thing the other day about uh, it's this, it's this web design platform. It's called studio press. It's this thing that I've built a lot of my, I've showed it to you. And the philosophy is that simple things don't break. And Mm -hmm. like, I love to make shit more complicated than it needs to be. But like you said, just move. (laughs) I mean, and and you have said that to me so many times, like, it's really that easy. It's really that easy, you know? And I think the unique thing about where I'm at right now is that I'm, I'm on the spectrum of having these really talented elite athletes, which is incredible. And it's such a pleasure to work with them. But I also have these people who, you know, haven't walked into a gym in the past 15, 20 years and are starting from the, from step one, you know, and at the end of the day, like both sides of that start from step one, they might just be at different levels. And I think it's just like, as a, as a coach, our role is to identify like where exactly they're starting at and just building the foundations from there. And like I said, at the end of the day, it's just functional movement and giving specific goals or, you know, milestones for them to hit to show progression, which then in a sense kind of creates confidence and, you know, elevates the game a little bit. Okay. So to start kind of wrapping some of this stuff up, I always like to have some sort of like practical, tangible um, suggestion or piece of advice that people can leave the podcasts with. And when there's somebody that's listening to this, that's saying to themselves, like, that's me, I'm at that step one. And a lot of times with fitness, you know, I'll be the first to say, like, one of the things that pe- that keeps people out of, uh, call it a gym or like a fitness community is just like embarrassment or, or maybe like shame about not necessarily knowing uh, what to do or, you know, like walking into a gym with all these people that are, are like in good shape and like know how to use the equipment, you know, and like that's why mm-hmm. people go straight to the elliptical machine, you know, because it's this thing that it, it's like, I know how to use this. This is a good place to start. Um, yeah. But, but like for that person that is maybe a little bit embarrassed um, or maybe just not even embarrassed, just intimidated or like, or wants to get started, what's the most simple thing that they can do and the most like practical suggestion you can give them? I mean, in that instance, I would say get a coach, you know, and I, I think people will always come back saying, oh, well, I don't have the money to do that. But 
you know, challenge them. And what I do is to take a, take a look at their bank statements, you know, and where else have they invested that much money, you know, say if it's $200 a month for a coach, you know, where else in their life have they invested that much money on things that aren't even contributing to their wellness and their, you know, well-being. Hmm. And a lot of the times those things kind of, they match value or not match value, but like from a, uh, a quantitative standpoint, like it's the same expense. So it's just like kind of challenging them to, to really look at where their priorities are and, you know, how they can kind of tune into what matters most. And if their goal is to become, you know, more active and to kind of take care of themselves and they need to kind of realize that a coach is going to be the best way to get them started and they need to invest. It's an investment in themselves. It's not, you know, it's not just an investment into a gym. It's an investment to kind of like get yourself moving. I I love that you said that because it's, it's like one of the things where one of the first expenses that people cut is their health and wellness expenses. Like the gym membership is always the first thing to go, but in reality, like every time you do that, the, the cost benefit analysis is in the negative because you kind of just screwed yourself and now you're going to cost yourself even more money. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Cause then you're going to the doctor and you know, you're spending money on pharmaceuticals and you know, we could get into all that, but you know, $35 gym membership, you know, imagine what that could do for your life. And I think like with endorphins and, you know, just becoming stronger in your body is just so imperative to the way people live happy. That's so cool, Lex. I, I think that's, I think that's really awesome. And I'm, I'm so happy that um, you helped me get back into my podcast. So oh, good, bro. Thanks <laughs> for having me. This was really cool. Like for real, this was really cool. I loved learning about all that that spiritual stuff with swimming. And I, I know that I experienced that firsthand and I, I just know that, that you're going to help so many people. And I'm, I'm really, really excited to see like where all this takes you. Thanks, bro. And I mean, I think to close out, I think this whole experience is, you know, and not experience, but like for me, fitness is spiritual. I think that's just kind of, I think there's no way of, being involved in fitness without, you know, having that mind body relationship. And I think that's just, it's healing. Hell yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, this is normally where I would say like, what's your website, but, um, Uh, you haven't (laughs) built it for me yet. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. Um, okay. But seriously, like even if somebody has any questions, um, how would they contact you through email? Like what's your email address and how would somebody get in touch with you? Uh, a Stoddart, S-T-O-D-D-A-R-T, the number four, at gmail.com. And then my handle is at Alex Stodds with a Z, A-L-E-X-S-T-O-D-Z on Instagram. Cool. Make sure you give her a follow on Instagram. Alex, I love you. Thank you so much for chatting with me. And, um, right. and we'll talk later. All right. Love you, bro. Bye. Bye.
Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.